Section 3 of The History of Chemistry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, InterfaceAudio.com, Mount Vernon, Ohio. The History of Chemistry by Thomas Thompson. Volume 1, Chapter 1 of Alchemy, Part 3. I shall now give a process for making the philosopher's stone, which was considered by Mangetus as of great value, and on that account was given by him in the preface to his Bibliotheca Chemica. 1. Prepare a quantity of a spirit of wine, so free from water that it is wholly combustible, and so volatile that when a drop of it is let fall it evaporates before it reaches the ground. This constitutes the first menstruum. 2. Take pure mercury, revived in the usual manner from cinnabar, put it into a glass vessel with common salt and distilled vinegar, agitate violently, and when the vinegar acquires a black color, pour it off and add new vinegar, agitate again, and continue these repeated agitations and additions, till the vinegar ceases to acquire a black color from the mercury. The mercury is now quite pure and very brilliant. 3. Take of this mercury four parts, of sublimed mercury, mercuri meteorosati, prepared with your own hands, eight parts. Triturate them together in a wooden mortar with a wooden pestle, till all the grains of running mercury disappear. This process is tedious and rather difficult. 4. The mixture thus prepared is to be put into an aludal, or sand bath, and exposed to a subliming heat which is to be gradually raised till the whole sublimes. Collect the sublimed matter, put it again into the aludal, and sublime a second time. This process must be repeated five times. Thus a very sweet and crystallized sublimate is obtained. It constitutes the salt of wise men, sal sapientum, and possesses wonderful properties. 5. Grind it in a wooden mortar, and reduce it to powder, put it into a glass retort, and pour upon it the spirit of wine, number one, till it stands about three finger-breadths above the powder. Seal the retort hermetically, and expose it to a very gentle heat for seventy-four hours, shaking it several times a day. Then distill with a gentle heat, and the spirit of wine will pass over, together with spirit of mercury. Keep this liquid in a well-stopped bottle, lest it should evaporate. More spirit of wine is to be poured upon the residual salt, and after digestion it must be distilled off as before, and this process must be repeated till the whole salt is dissolved and distilled over with the spirit of wine. You have now performed a great work. The mercury is now rendered in some measure volatile, and it will gradually become fit to receive the tincture of gold and silver. Now return thanks to God, who hitherto crowned your wonderful work with success. Nor is this great work involved in Cimmerian darkness, but clearer than the sun, though preceding writers have imposed upon us with parables, hieroglyphics, fables, and enigmas. 6. Take this mercurial spirit, which contains our magical steel in its belly, put it into a glass retort, to which a receiver must be well and carefully looted. Draw off the spirit by a very gentle heat, 
there will remain in the bottom of the retort the quintessence or soul of mercury this is to be sublimed by applying a stronger heat to the retort that it may become volatile as all the philosophers express themselves sifixum solvis fasciesque volera salutum et volucrum figris fascia te vivre tutum this is our luna our fountain in which the king and queen may bathe prepare this precious quintessence of mercury which is very volatile in a well-shut vessel for further use eight let us now proceed to the operation of common gold which we shall communicate clearly and distinctly without digression or obscurity that from vulgar gold we may obtain our philosophical gold just as from common mercury we obtained by the preceding processes philosophical mercury in the name of god then take common gold purified in the usual way by antimony convert it into small grains which must be washed with salt and vinegar till it be quite pure take one part of this gold and pour on it three parts of the quintessence of mercury as philosophers reckon from seven to ten so we also reckon our number as philosophical and we begin with three and one let them be married together like husband and wife to produce children of their own kind and you will see the common gold sink and plainly dissolve now the marriage is consummated now two things are converted into one thus the philosophical sulphur is at hand as the philosophers say the sulphur being dissolved the stone is at hand take then in the name of god our philosophical vessel in which the king and queen embrace each other as in a bedchamber and leave it till the water is converted into earth then peace is concluded between the water and fire then the elements have no longer anything contrary to each other because when the elements are converted into earth they no longer oppose each other for in earth all elements are at rest for the philosophers say when you shall have seen the water coagulate itself think that your knowledge is true and that your operations are truly philosophical the gold is now no longer common but ours is philosophical on account of our processes at first exceedingly fixed then exceedingly volatile and finally exceedingly fixed then the whole science depends upon the change of the elements the gold at first was a metal now it is a sulphur capable of converting all metals into its own sulphur now our tincture is wholly converted into sulphur which possesses the energy of curing all diseases this is our universal medicine against all the most deplorable diseases of the human body therefore return infinite thanks to almighty god for all the good things which he has bestowed upon us nine in this great work of ours two modes of fermenting and projecting are wanting without which the uninitiated will not easily follow our process the mode of fermenting is as follows take of our sulphur above described one part and project upon it three parts of very pure gold fused in a furnace in a moment you will see the gold by the force of the sulphur converted into a red sulphur of an inferior quality to the first sulphur take one part of this and project upon it three parts of fused gold the whole will be again converted into a sulphur or a friable mass mixing one part of this with three parts of gold you will have a malleable and extensible metal 
If you find it so, well. If not, add other sulfur and it will again pass into sulfur. Now the sulfur will be sufficiently fermented, or our medicine will be brought into a metallic nature. 10. The mode of projecting is this. Take of the fermented sulfur one part, and project upon it ten parts of mercury, heated in a crucible, and you will have a perfect metal. If its color is not sufficiently deep, fuse it again, and add more fermented sulfur, and thus it will acquire color. If it becomes frangible, add a sufficient quantity of mercury, and it will be perfect. Thus, friend, you have a description of the universal medicine, not only for curing diseases and prolonging life, but also for transmuting all metals into gold. Give therefore thanks to Almighty God, who, taking pity on human calamities, has at last revealed this inestimable treasure, and made it known for the common benefit of all. Such is the formula, slightly abridged, of Carolus Musitanus, by which the philosopher's stone, according to him, may be formed. Compared with the formulas of most of the alchemists, it is sufficiently plain. What the sublimed mercury is does not appear. From the process described, we should be apt to consider it as corrosive sublimate. On that supposition, the sal sapientum formed in number five would be columel. The only objection to this supposition is the process described in number five for columel is not soluble in alcohol the philosopher's stone prepared by this elaborate process could hardly have been anything else than an amalgam of gold it could not have contained chloride of gold because such a preparation instead of acting medicinally would have proved a most virulent poison there is no doubt that an amalgam of gold if projected into melted lead or tin and afterwards cupellated would leave a portion of gold, all the gold, of course, that existed previously in the amalgam. It might, therefore, have been employed by impostors to persuade the ignorant that it was really the philosopher's stone, but the alchemist who prepared the amalgam could not be ignorant that it contained gold. There is another process given in the same preface of a very different nature, but too long to be transcribed here, and the nature of the process is not sufficiently intelligible to render an account of it of much consequence. The preceding observations will give the reader some notion of the nature of the pursuits which occupied the alchemists. Their sole object was the preparation of a substance to which they gave the name of the philosopher's stone, which possessed the double property of converting the baser metals into gold, and of curing all diseases and of preserving human life to an indefinite extent. The experiments of Wilson and the formula of Musitanus, which have just been inserted, will give the reader some notion of the way in which they attempted to manufacture this most precious substance, being quite ignorant of the properties of bodies and of their action upon each other. Their processes were guided by no scientific analogies, and one part of the labor not unfrequently counteracted another. It would be a waste of time, therefore, to attempt to analyze their numerous processes, even though such an attempt could be attended with success. But in most cases, from the unintelligible terms in which their books are written, it is impossible to divine the nature of the processes by which they endeavored to manufacture the philosopher's stone, or the nature of the substances which they obtained. In consequence of the universality of the opinion that gold could be made by art, 
There was a set of impostors who went about pretending that they were in possession of the philosopher's stone, and offering to communicate the secret of making it for a suitable reward. Nothing is more astonishing than that persons could be found credulous enough to be the dupes of such impostors. The very circumstance of their claiming a reward was a sufficient proof that they were ignorant of the secret which they pretended to reveal. For what motive could a man have for asking a reward who was in possession of a method of creating gold at pleasure? To such a person money could be no object, as he could procure it in any quantity. Yet, strange as it may appear, they met with abundance of dupes credulous enough to believe their asseverations, and to supply them with money to enable them to perform the wished-for processes. The object of these impostors was either to pocket the money thus furnished, or they made use of it to purchase various substances from which they extracted oils, acids, or similar products, which they were enabled to sell at a profit. To keep the dupes, who thus supplied them with the means of carrying on these processes in good spirits, it was necessary to show them occasionally small quantities of the baser metals converted into gold. Thus they performed in various ways. Monsieur Geoffroy, Sr., who had an opportunity of witnessing many of their performances, has given us an account of a number of their tricks. It may be worth while to state a few by way of specimen. Sometimes they made use of crucibles with a false bottom. At the real bottom they put a quantity of oxide of gold or silver. This was covered with a portion of powdered crucible, glued together by a little gummed water or a little wax. The materials being put into this crucible and heat applied, the false bottom disappears, the oxide of gold or silver is reduced, and at the end of the process is found at the bottom of the crucible and considered as the product of the operation. Sometimes they make a hole in a piece of charcoal and fill it with oxide of gold or silver, and stop up the mouth with a little wax, or they soak the charcoal in solutions of these metals, or they stir the mixtures in the crucible with hollow rods containing oxide of gold or silver within, and the bottom shut with wax. By these means, the gold or silver wanted is introduced during the process, and considered as a product of the operation. Sometimes they have a solution of silver in nitric acid, or of gold in aqua regia, or an amalgam of gold or silver, which, being adroitly introduced, furnishes the requisite quantity of metal. A common exhibition was to dip nails into a liquid, and take them out half converted into gold. The nails consisted of one-half gold, neatly soldered to the iron, and covered with something to conceal the color, which the liquid removed. Sometimes they had metals one-half gold and the other half silver soldered together, and the gold side whitened with mercury. The gold half was dipped into a transmuting liquid, and then the metal heated, the mercury was dissipated, and the gold half of the metal appeared. End of section 3, recorded by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio, interfaceaudio.com.